fiends and horror hounds this is brett from dimension z joined as i always am by greg of the dead how you doing man doing good how's it going i can't whistle but was it that fucking theme song that carries through from this entire series it's all like dreamy and whistly i love maniac cop series maniac cop's a lot of fun i'm glad we're back here i think it was like in the 30s or something like the last time we touched maniac cop like episode 30 something or somewhere in there it's been a long time since we've been on maniac cop i would say every like month we have to decide okay what are we doing next month and i just sometimes will just scroll through what we've done and look for like okay what haven't we done for sequels and i saw maniac cop pop up i was like that's right we need to do two because i really want to do three at some point because that one's even more batshit crazy but yeah maniac cop 2 today uh directed by william lustig who also directed maniac yeah william lustig's one of those cool dirty new york grindhouse style directors i like a lot oh he was on creature features they interviewed him and it looked like they pulled a mechanic out of the shop to like sit in this room because he's just like work pants t-shirt grease for some reason <laughs> but also very important uh produced and written by our uh he's been on the show a bunch larry cohen oh i was gonna say he's been on the show a bunch well, yes, no. we've covered him a bunch we've i was gonna say covered what the fuck him. was larry cohen on but it's the guy that did q exactly and this kind of has that same feel, to be honest, too, as Q the Wing Serpent does. Well, I love these New York City movies so much, like, especially since we've been there now. Like, I, I thought the city was interesting before, and now I'm just like, yeah, New, New York is cool. Bring back, like, the porn theaters and everything. Yeah, really. Yeah, with, like, the opening of Basket Case, all of that. Yes. Next time we go to New York City, we're going to the Q the Wing Serpent building for sure. It's called the Chrysler Building. But no, yes. Q Building. Um, so I have an odd thing with this movie because, um, you know the first one starring Bruce Campbell, the first main yes. cop movie, and he is in this movie, and um, the girl Teresa, Teresa is also in this movie. They were our main characters, and a lot of times when one of these actors is big and then they do a sequel, it's hey, I'm too busy or I'm not doing it. Kill me off quick. Yeah, But I don't know if that was honestly the case with this movie, because I paid attention this time. Because in my head, I'm like, the kill him off in like the first scene. No, he's in at least three or four scenes and different yeah. settings. So I don't think it was a, let's get him out of here real quick. Because, so it must have actually been written in this way, which blows my mind. Like, not a, we don't have Bruce Campbell scenario. Like, a no, this is the way we wanted to take the story scenario. Well, I absolutely love Bruce Campbell, but I don't think there is a we can't get Bruce Campbell situation. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah, he he's done about everything. Yeah, but he shows up in things and then shows up for an afternoon, gets killed off and leaves or does a cameo role, things like this. Yeah, but it's a this was a weird Bruce Campbell role because it's not him being wacky whatsoever. It's him like dead serious, which you don't see often. No, not at all. Dude, this movie starts off with a part one recap. That yeah. 
by the time the part one recap and the opening credits are done, it's over like six or seven minutes of like, you don't need to watch if you've seen the first one. Well, because it's like the opening recap, which I always enjoy because it's been a long time since I've seen Maniac Cop 1. She's like, oh, this is where we left off. Um, then there's the long, like you said, credit sequence of, well, a title card that we used to bring up all the time and now forgot to a lot. But I like this one because it's like the New York City, like. Uh, skyline. Skyline. Yes, thank you. Um with maniac cop in red and then it gets all cut up yeah like his face yeah but yeah then long like it's like they're in like a junkyard or something just like going over the cars it's the whistly theme song yeah and this dude's shoplifting and the owner like sees what he's doing he's like hey can i help you with something <laughs> and then he holds the store up he's gonna rob the place the obvious like character it's like a caricature of guy's gonna uh, rob a convenience store he's all like greasy and dirty his teeth are fucked up he keeps doing the thing where he's like rubbing his nose he's got like those see-through black teeth do you know what i mean yeah when people's teeth get so rotten they become like transparent kind of and black so like yeah they're letting you know dude's dirty he's gonna get some dirty money here but like he holds him up with the shock, little shotgun and he presses the silent alarm so cops are on the way. I like, he wants the money. He's like, well, I can't get it into the drawer. He opens it up and there's lottery tickets and they're like, well, let's see if we win. I'm feeling lucky. And he's making the dude nervously scratch off all these lottery tickets. Oh yeah, and the guy keeps being like, no, not a winner. Not a winner. Sorry, nope, not this one either. And then he's like, Oh shit! I love that he's like because he's pressing the shotgun like into his neck. Like I think you're lying to me, man. And then he's like, "Oh shit, five thousand dollars! You won, <laughs> dude. That's more than you would have get got holding this place up. Take that and run out." Yeah, well, I love the guy too. He tries to be like, "Take as much merchandise as you need." It's like that doesn't buy drugs. Yeah, exactly. I have all this Wonder Bread. He could open up his own convenience store with everything he stole. Yeah. <laughs> but the maniac cop himself, Matt Cordell, shows up. Robert Zadar. Yeah, it's super, like, the most cop jawline in the world. Oh, like we said in the uh, Maniac Cop uh, review, it was like the battle of the chins with Bruce Campbell and Robert Zadar. Like, it's too bad they didn't sword fight with him. Yeah. <laughs> but he, he knocks down the shoplifter and then he just shoots the clerk who's being held up hands the robber the gun he's like what's this for and then like goes out the back i guess the robber walks out front holding the gun and gets gunned down by the real cops who have shown up of course because he's uh, he goes running out he's like i didn't do it i didn't do it it was one of you as yet yeah, all the cops shoot him Yep, and dude, put the gun down. He didn't lure it yeah. to your hand. Yeah, and you're like, w like waving your arms around all wild and stuff. Yeah. Next, we cut to Jack and Teresa, Bruce Campbell's character, and the girlfriend from the first one, telling the police commissioner, "Dude, this commissioner is in everything. I don't know if you yes. recognize this dude. He's in like every movie you've ever seen." He has 114 credits, as far as Letterbox says. But yeah, this guy shows up in a lot. And they're telling them that Cordell is still alive. And he's like, no. And you have to go see the police psychologist to see if you're fit for duty. 
Right. Uh, next, we cut to some dude randomly being thrown out a window in an alley and then shot by our new main character, Detective Sean McKinney. And he's a badass cop who wears the little cop hats and smokes lots of cigarettes. You it's know. like noir man of those exactly. like, old like 1940s like pulp magazines. Yeah, like you said, he has the long duster on. He's got the fucking hat. <laughs> yeah, well, I tell you, there's nothing you ain't never seen on these streets before, like I see on a nightly basis. Like it's like the winds blow and he's talk narrating his own story. Yeah, like, like one he, of those. He only drinks either coffee or whiskey. Exactly, just that. No, this guy has a lot of credits too. 117. That's insane. He was in Die Hard. Yes. And the hot chick. I didn't recognize him, which is why. I recognize the commissioner. Yeah, I didn't recognize him. Now he has to go see the psychologist because any officer involved in a shootout has to at least see the psychologist once. Well, you a man like jumped out of a window. You just immediately shot him and just went strolling away. Yeah, that's not normal behavior. Also, I don't think you're just allowed to stroll away into like the misty night. They're like, yeah, we yeah. need to take you right now. I feel like even though there's other cops, they're like, you might have to stay on the scene. Yeah, tell us what happened. You have to fill out a report, sir. And then when he's seeing the psychologist, it's very much the, I don't want to be here. Dude, I like Maniac Cop, but they do hit every police movie trope in the world in these oh. movies. Like, I mean, dead partner, Um, I don't need help. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, everything you could possibly do, they do in these movies. Get the police commissioner banging on his desk. I'm going to take your badge. <laughs> like, yeah. Turn in your gun and badge now. You know, we've it's, seen it's, these. It's all corrupt cops and everything. Yeah. But that night, Jack is getting the newspapers with him on the cover because he's been, uh, his name's been cleared since the whole events of the first movie. And this blind newspaper magazine stand, man, I love this guy. Do you recognize him? I do, but I can't place it. Sleepaway Camp. Oh, okay, yep. Yeah. Uh, wait a second, do you know who that is then? Who? Robert Earl Jones? Yes, do you know who that is? No. He's the father of someone who you also may know. Oh, is it James Earl Jones? Yeah, that's James oh. Earl, that's Darth Vader's dad. Oh, wow. <laughs> I am your father. Because I knew he was in Sleepaway Camp, I just made the connection yeah. now. I didn't know that, that's uh, Greg's teaching me. But, no, I like, he's like, I'll take a dozen of these papers. It's not very often you get your face on the front page. He's like, I've never met a celebrity before. And I like he hands him $5, Bruce Campbell hands him $5. It's like, that's $5, you trust me, right? And he's like, yep. As he's like, you know, because he's blind, so he can't see the five dollars. It's like that's got to be like the most. It's probably a good thing that he's by the police department, because people would just be like, "Oh, here's a button." Dude, if all the jobs, if you were blind, I feel like being a newspaper magazine vendor is not one of the better ones. You know yeah. what I mean? I feel like there's a lot of visuals involved in that. Yeah. But he starts reading the paper, and he's stabbed while he's reading it through the back and through the paper. And it's, Jack, Jack, what's going on? And he, the blind newspaper man feels his hand, his hand is ice cold like a corpse. But I like the um effect of, because, like, 
the knife goes through Bruce Campbell's neck and then through the paper and like the paper gets ripped down. And it's like, um, like when we covered the blob and we said when the guy's throat gets all big, it's kind of like that with like the knife sticking out of it just because there's so much makeup. Yeah. Cut to Teresa IDing Jack's body in the morgue and McKinney's questioning her. We, the, our morgue person doesn't have a sandwich. He's not eating a sandwich, but he's another kind of morgue person you see show up in movies of the creepy, like, uh, yeah, she's still pretty, isn't she? As like all the, uh, they're all covered up completely, except for the lady with the boobs out. Yeah, dude, uh, you either have the hungry corner yeah. or the pervy corner. Those are your hunger, options. Hungry in a different way. <laughs> yeah. Or sometimes you can combine them, you know? Yeah. But even later, like, they, like, there's that scene, and then they're talking about Jack, and then they pan back over, and she's just still laying there, like, unsheeted. Yeah. You were talking about Star Wars earlier. That's how Daisy Ridley got her start. <laughs> just laying there like a corpse. Yeah. It, it, lots of emotion there. But... McKinney's questioning her, and he's wearing a wire. They don't actually think she's a suspect, but they want her on the defensive, so she's not going to the newspapers or talking about Cordell being back and stuff like that. Yeah, and he's very much like, I don't like to be doing this. This is technology. I just need my gun and this magnifying glass. <laughs> Next, we get this guy whose car is being towed by a cop, and he comes out, and he's oh, I'm sorry, I just got back. He goes from bargaining to bribing, tries to pay him off, and then to anger, and just yelling at this cop and everything. And then next thing you know, the cop is grabbed and hooked, like stabbed onto the tow truck hook by Matt Cordell, and Matt Cordell drives away. And I love the dude who was about to be towed just rips up the ticket and goes about his day. It's like, ha ha ha, I don't have to pay a fine, a man is dead. It was just so fucked up, because he goes driving away with the cop on the hook, dangling like just off the street and he just keeps swinging back and forth hey welcome to new york you see that here <laughs> this episode is brought to you by paramount plus get in loser mean girls is now streaming on paramount plus join katie heron as she meets the plastics and tina fey's new twist on the modern classic get ready for more of the rumors backstabbing and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises rated pg-13 wear pink and head to paramountplus.com to try it free susan who's our psychologist and everything you saw jack Teresa mckinney she's talking to the magazine stand guy and this is where he talks about when he was in nom and a bunch of dead man fell on him and everything that was the last time he felt a dead man but when he felt this man it was like he was back there again he hasn't had that feeling since then so i have a question about maniac cop lore yeah okay so in the first movie we determined they thought he was dead but they never actually buried the body and he was alive easy right, to understand he was like close to death like he was brain dead but he was still breathing kind of thing yes now in this movie he's cold as a corpse he's bulletproof he can be lit on fire for five minutes at a time how is this a thing his need for justice of, of his own case you know what and my you know head what? Canon i can is? buy that if they throw a line or two out like that okay fine because i'm okay with jason and everything like that yeah give me a line though 
Well, because in the last movie, yeah, like he's like, okay, he was alive, but he got stabbed through the chest. With a pole and yeah. into the water for like hours. And you already said my headcanon. This is Jason after Friday the 13th part eight. This is what happens between part eight and Jason goes to hell as he found a policeman's uniform because he looks exactly like Jason from Friday the 13th part eight. I'm sorry. No, Jason's yes. face is more fucked up than this. No, it's like with the mouth and everything. It's the same color and everything. This is Jason who found a cop uniform. Say, so I'll do this for a little while. But anyway, all I'm saying is they give no explanation for anything. No, no, it's just, yeah, he comes back. We don't even see him get out of the water or anything. It was that long dolly shot in the, uh, um, you saw his hand in the last movie pop out of the water. Yes, but you just in this movie, he's just already in a cop car and driving away. Yes. But anyway, the tow truck guy, we see him being arrested at home, and he's like, well, who was it? It was one of you guys, real tall, six foot, scars all over his face. And then someone else put a report. So we cut to the commissioner and, like, I guess the sheriff looking at all these reports, and they're like, well, it doesn't fit any cop that we know. And McKinney goes to say, well, it's like, don't you say it. Don't you say it. <laughs> I'm going to pound my fist on this desk. <laughs> uh, your gun and your badge. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, no, it can't be Cordell, all this kind of stuff. Teresa is obviously scared for her life because she thinks she's next. She's going to go on this show that, like, talks about the most wanted and has led to successful arrests of many people. Like, after they watch the show, they're on the lookout. And talk about Cordell being alive. Susan shows up at her house though. And she's like okay I'll come with you. I'll take the cab with you. Teresa's being paranoid as all hell. Like every car around. They're like no stay on the main roads and everything. They get a flat and pull into an alley. And she's freaking out. But the cab driver's like. Because they're like don't just keep driving. He's like I own this cab. I'm not fucking it up for no police officer. I knew I shouldn't be picking up these cops. No, why? Because cops don't tip. <laughs> yeah, is that a thing? Like, I'd never heard of this oh. stereotype before. I just also love just our New York City cab person. But when he's out there to change the tire, you see the police car around the corner. It's Cordo. I have a, an important question that will come up later for Count of the Dead. He got run over by a car. Is he dead? I counted him. There's some in here that I couldn't count in good faith. His looked rough. I'm like, that dude's dead. Because there's a few of them that get, like, thrown against a wall. And it's like, are they yeah. dead, or did they get no, knocked No, those out? ones I didn't count. Like, any okay. gunshots, people, obviously. Of course. That dude got mangled. <laughs> yeah, he's okay. dead. Okay. Because there's a few of those like this, where it's, like, action throw. Yeah. No, most of those, like, most of the cop car crashes later, I didn't count. Things like that. Okay. But anyway, now it's, he shows up, and Teresa's freaking out. He grabs Teresa and throws her through a store window and then oh. does the most heinous shit in the world. Like, he's not here just to kill. He's here to, like, cause suffering as he's doing it. Because he handcuffs Susan, handcuffs her to the door of the car, puts the car in drive, and just walks away. I love the Maniac Cop movie, like, ch car chase scenes. Because, like, that whole thing with, like, he's chasing 
them in the taxi and like they're on their rims and there's sparks everywhere. They're like hitting cars and everything going down this road. Like they don't do action scenes like they used to. I love like a good yeah. action scene like that. Like um, at one point, like they go on the sidewalk and they're like hitting boxes and trash cans. You love your car chase scenes. I've noticed yeah. this about you. It comes from like Blues Brothers. Like growing up watching that, it's like the greatest cop chase scene ever. But Teresa grabs a chainsaw from the display that is apparently already gassed up, comes out, and she's going to fight Cordell with a chainsaw. Such a missed opportunity that we had Bruce Campbell in this movie and we don't have him fight with the chainsaw. I feel like that's got to be on purpose. Or he's like, no. Sam won't let me. <laughs> but Cordell grabs the spinning blade at the chainsaw and just then snaps Teresa's neck. She's dead. Yeah, a very kind of quick, quick deaths for both of our, like, people, like, carrying over. Not, like, a grandiose, oh, yeah. like, big, like, I like that she came out with the chainsaw, but it almost feels like this is what realistically would, what would happen with a chainsaw in the situation of it would get jammed up and just make that rrr, rrr sound and then you're weaponless. Well, in a normal situation, when the dude would grab your chainsaw, you've won. In a normal situation, if you're a chainsaw person, you win when they grab the spinning blade. For some yes. reason, the laws of the world do not apply to maniac cop world. No. Well, also, like you said, like they shoot, like, because during the scene, they like shot him like six times. I shot him six times in the chest. And I think that's just where the pole hole was. So it's not like he's actually getting shot. It's just going through him. <laughs> oh, OK. I, I That makes sense. Yes. I'll say. <laughs> but now car chase part two yeah this is ice skating montage almost where she's hanging out on the car that's in drive and she's missing every car somehow she's the this is just pure dumb luck and it goes on for a long time it's a really cool scene actually i like it a lot she finally gets into the car though where she should be able to get control of it and that's when she crashes yes but no, it's like so, it's so great. Like you said, like back and forth because every once in a while she gets like the steering wheel and can kind of steer a little bit, like just an inch away from getting like creamed by a truck or something. And there's a few of those scenes, like, cause you know, they actually like film this with real stunt people and like real vehicles. A few of those cars get pretty close. Oh, the stunt work in this is awesome. Like 100%. Yeah. Oh, you get some great like fire stuff later. Yeah. Yeah. Which we'll talk about. I can't wait. But she crashes. Police show up. She's like, I got to get to the radio station. It's a TV show. I don't know why she says this. Well, because there are a lot of times they're both in the same building. She's there and she's saying the maniac cop, Matt Cordell, is still alive. The commissioner is also on the program and shooting down all this. Because they're originally talking about this Jack the Ripper-esque killer who's been killing strippers and everything like around town and to look out for him and everything like that. So where are we going to cut to next, Brett? Strip oh, club! We're, we're in a bar! And then you see Brett from Dimension Z's there, and he has his head down. His cell phones don't exist yet, so he just has his like head buried in like a Fangoria, not looking at the ladies because it's too embarrassing. <laughs> um, And so it's a typical strip club scene, you know. Nothing going on except for stripping, but we are introduced to like, the star stripper, at least for the movie, because the camera's on her the most, and she has the most glitter. I also like, too, that he's sitting there, like, at the bar, watching the story about him. 
yeah, the stripper killer is at this bar. Yes. And yeah. seeing this on the TV. And but then it's like a weird thing. And I don't know why I noticed it. But as soon as the story's over, like a lady comes by and turns the TV off. Why? They didn't have anything programmed to run next. OK, they didn't make anything more. They're like, that's yeah, all we like have. They didn't shoot a fake commercial or anything to put on. So I'm like, why is she turn the TV off? Because the Star Stripper is about to come out. Yeah, I'd be like, I was watching that. <laughs> but that girl's at home and she's hiding her current occupation from her mother on the phone. Well, talking to her. Because our Jack the Ripper stripper killer like pulls out 20 bucks. And that gets her to come over and she does the sec- sexy dance for him and like takes her top off. And then she's like wearing like a red bikini because that's how we like tie it to her later too. Because I sometimes have an issue recognizing people when they change costumes that quick in movies. Yeah. So I like that they do little things like that where it's like if I would have taken me a minute, I would have gotten it. But that, that I saw like the red bikini. Like, oh, okay. That's her. That's why um, I'm, not, I'm not saying anything, but that's why cartoons for children, the characters always have the same outfits. on. Yeah. It helps. <laughs> but she's at home and someone's trying to break in the door. She calls down to the apartment manager. She's like, call the police, call the police. And then oh. silence for a minute. And then our stripper killer breaks through the fucking window. Did you hear like, cause he's arguing on the phone with her about calling the cops. And then he says something about like, what do you expect in the line of work you're in? It's like, Jesus, yeah. apartment manager person. Dude sucks. Yeah, the stripper killer breaks through the window, has her pinned down. He's like, oh, what do you think I'm going to do? Like, the most uncomfortable scene in the world. He's like, yeah. I need a new glossy 8 by 10 for my collection. <laughs> Which, is that a thing? Like, that strippers will have, like, a professional 8 by 10 of themselves in their own room? I've never heard of the stripper 8 by 10s, if I'm being honest. No. Now, I have not been to many strip clubs, but the ones... I've never seen such a thing. No. I don't know. I've never heard of it either, but I guess back it, in the day it was. Maybe that's I've, just this club. I don't know. I've been to one ever. And it almost seems like if you're going to have 8x10s, that you would almost like, like at a con, they would have them for sale. Like at the yeah. strip club, like 10 bucks each or whatever. But then Cordell breaks in and grabs the attacker, but throws him to the side and is going to kill the girl there. But real cops show up. And in the scuffle, they're thrown aside, but Cordell and our stripper killer escape through the window. This is one I'm guessing you're not counting as dead, because he gets thrown against the wall, but yeah, you didn't see blood or anything. We're like, our stripper killer is like, oh, fuck, please don't hurt me. Please don't kill me. And then, like, Matt Cordell, like, breaks out the rest of the window and, like, points at it. They're like, you go first. And then they go up to the roof. And he, like, knows who he is. And I think it's, what I got from it is that Cordell is has this grand plan to go back to Sing Sing and break out people. And he needs an army. But he never, he can't talk. He talks one time in the movie. But, so it's just our stripper killer being like, oh, this is what you're doing, huh? Like, oh, you know me. And I know you. And we're fans of each other. And, dude. It's it's wild because he becomes the most chatty sidekick in the world. Yeah. And again, more cop movie tropes. This is Grizzled Vet and Chatty Rookie. Uh, that's all yeah. this movie is. It's all cop <laughs> movie tropes. It is. 
It's late. It's funny when he's dressed up as a cop later. It was like the scruffiest cop in the world. <laughs> yeah. But he takes him back to his place. I got a great place you can come and, and everything like this. And then they get to like, what's your name? What's your name? Do you not talk? And he's like, Cordell. Friend. <laughs> Good. Yeah, he's, why is he Frankenstein now? <laughs> it's so funny because he like croaks out. Cordell. But it's, like, supposed to be, like, dramatic and stuff, but it's just funny. We have the death scene flashback that, oh my god, dude. Oh my god. I watched this so much in the last movie. (laughs) Yes, I understand. And they're gonna play it again now and again later. I'm like, no more of this scene. No, I don't need to see this scene ever again. The the theme song kicks on, the Whistly theme song, and you see the judge sitting there doing the... I was like, I know Robert Zadar was naked in the shower and gets attacked by men and has to wrestle them. And he's doing good until they stab him. This is always you see too much Robert Zadar. Yes. But Cordell leaves at night and Sidekick's like, where are you going? Oh, somewhere I can't come with you. Okay, well, I'll be here. I'll catch you later. I got some stuff for me to do, too. But you're coming back, right? Like he's the neediest, like brand new friend. Yeah, and Cordell's like, friend, bad, and just leaves. <laughs> but the police, Susan, the commissioner, um, McKinney, and the stripper are at a different strip club, and they're looking around trying to see if they can ID the killer there. And he does show up here, and she's like, that's him right there. Chase, they get him, he gets away. Susan, who has a broken arm, now knocks him out with her cast. Which is awesome. Because the one cop goes, I need to get me one of those. Um, But he shows up. What seems like, what, like the next night? Back to the same strip club. In my head, it's the same same night. I know. It's like he didn't change at all. He didn't go to a different strip club. Like, Yeah, I don't know. He doesn't seem like the kind of guy who has much to do besides go to strip clubs and kill people. Why is he not thinking this through? It's like he's his brain. Something's wrong with his brain or something. But they cut to him in custody and lock up, and he's not giving Cordell up. He is obsessed with this dude. He won't stop fucking talking about my best friend Cordell is coming and all this kind of stuff. I can't. It's the most annoying dude in the world. And yeah. This, this is, is also big... where we see Danny Trejo just. Chilling out here and lock up. No lines, just an extra. And it just pans over him, like, real quick. But it's like, is that fucking Danny Trejo? Because it's, like, immediately recognizable. There's someone yeah. else who is extremely recognizable in the background. Who else we got? He's only seen for a split second when it's, like, the uh, pan across. And then whenever our stripper killer's setting there, you see, like, this much of his body, like, his shoulder to his arm. And then later when uh, Matt Cordell is going to, like, get the army, he's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to be here. Shelly, and I'm going to probably get this wrong. Shelly Dazi from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's Charlie and Frank's landlord. Oh, no shit. Rent. You pay me rent. Not until you, you know, fix that plumbing. You know what's funny? He was also in Cue the Winged Serpent. Yes, he was. That makes sense now. Okay. It, he looks exactly the same. This is 1990, and Always Sunny is like, what, mid-2000s to still? 
Yeah. And he looks like he looks a little older and always sunny, but he's always looked the same. We had, we catch a bunch of cops at the shooting range in the station, and then they all just get shot back from the targets. Each one of them, all six of them, just shot like the targets are firing back. Then you see Cordell come walking oh. in a badass shot, to be honest. It looks so cool. That shot is so amazing. Of he just appears out of the dark. Yeah. Then he walks upstairs to the main part of the station and the rampage begins. Well, this is when, during the movie, sometimes during these movies, I think of Greg and his count of the dead and how many he has to count. And I saw this rampage happening. I was like, oh, this is one where it's like, okay, fuck. One, two, three. Is he dead? Three. Because like six got shot down there, two on the stairs, and there's like six or seven upstairs that get killed. A good bit. Where like he comes through because it's such a great setup earlier, and I forgot about the scene until like I saw when they first showed the police station. I was like, "Oh, I forgot this place gets completely annihilated." I mean, he works yeah. his way through. He's just doing the thing where he's walking through the doors like Jason or Michael do, um, killing everyone in front of him, just throwing people. I, who does he? He grabs. It's not the commissioner, I don't think. But no, it's not. But someone else. And he throws them. And he goes through like five support beams and then smacks against the wall. Dude, the first wall, he's walking through these last doors. Just I don't mean through the doorway, through the physical door. Um, the first one's so funny, though, because it's around Christmas time and there's a wreath hanging up. Yeah. <laughs> and it's supposed to be this badass shot. But he walks through it, it's perfectly head level with him, and it kind of like sticks on his face for a second. Yeah. I noticed that. <laughs> he takes Susan hostage and breaks all the inmates from lockout up, and they're going to Sing Sing prison to break out all the death row inmates, and he's going to build his army. Yes. Because the one prisoner was saying, like, he was scheduled to go to Sing Sing tomorrow. And then Cordell, like, gives him his papers. And he's like, I don't want to go to Sing Sing. I, I thought we were breaking out. I don't want to go there. And he's like, no, we have a master plan. And then yeah, we we'll get there. Thing. But he just fast-tracked himself to where he was going to be anyway. Yeah. But then we get this really cool car chase. Because they're in the, like, prisoner bus. And all the cops are coming after him. First, they just, the scruffy stripper killer is the driver. Cordell's like the the guy who'd be watching the inmates transferred up front. Yeah. And then everyone else is in the back. And scruffy dude is like, just drives through all the cop cars, big explosion and everything. Then other ones start chasing him. And he's just like smashing them to the side and everything. Mm -hmm. He clears out every cop car that's chasing him. <laughs> I uh, the the one car cop car like you know like they hit like a ramp or something in front of this one car and then it just like crumbles. It's so awesome. Yeah, the one rolls in another scene and then yeah. lands like on its wheels, but then another one just like hits something <laughs> else and crushes it. Why does Cordell have stripper killer driving when Cordell has mystical powers and is like we saw how good he was at driving earlier? Yeah. Maybe he just want, because he's supervising. Because the one gets kind of oh. creepy with Susan, and he's like, "You're cute for a cop." And then Cordell taps on the metal and it's looks like, back uh -oh. at him. No, no, no! Don't do that. <laughs> you can see him like it's like one of those '80s PSAs where like he comes out like, "Even a maniac cop has a line." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but McKinney and the commissioner are driving, 
in their own car and there's this big argument because the commissioner made a dirty deal that got him sent to prison and everything. He's like, you're going to confess. He's like, no, I'm not. I went out of this car right now. He goes, he pulls a gun on him. Like, you sure you want to do that grizzled cop to the boss? You know, it's so great that their whole plan to stop this basically now zombie creature is we're going to open the court case back up there. There was, <laughs> There was some crooked dealings behind the scenes. And that makes them stop. It does, though. It's what works, which is insane. So fucking stupid. It's like, oh, new trial. Good. Like, he's going to stand there, like, for a new trial. <laughs> but the bus gets to the prison. They get in and everything because they have the paperwork for the guy who's getting transferred there. And then they kill the key guy and get into the lock up and everything and then right then the commissioner's on the pa he's like i'm speaking to matt cordell now and like what you just said mm -hmm. i was my fault i lied the judge has reopened your case and your record has been cleared and all this stuff and he pauses and everything he's like okay maybe everything's good but the gang of people who killed cordell originally are still in this prison brent and they say oh shit cordell's here we gotta fight back and they light him on fire. They have a Molotov cocktail somehow. But th this is, I want to talk about this real quick. Because they're in death row. Like, they made it to death row. The death row inmates are banging on the door. Let us out, let us out, you're here to liberate us. And then Cordell goes walking away, because he's going to go have a no new court case. And then Scruffy's stripper killer goes running after his friend. And then the guy who was going to be transferred there tomorrow... It's now been left alone there, and he just curls up in a ball like, oh, fuck, I thought this was going to go well. Now I'm already here. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so they light Cordell on fire. And this is, without a doubt, the scene anyone will remember from this movie. Because this dude does a flame walk that's insane with how long this guy's on fire. And of course... All the guys who get him, he gets them. Like, he just mainly hugs most of them and catches them yeah. on fire and kills them. I think he might stab one of them. But he's just working his way through all of them, rounds the corner, gets the ringleader of the bunch. But then stripper killers, Maddie goes, you never cared about me, and stabs Cordell in the back. And Cordell then... turns around. He's pissed. Oh, can I talk about the face for a second? Yeah. What, the Friday the 13th Part 8 face, yes. Oh my god, it's bad. I, It was so good. And I'm like, just don't show the face. Yeah. You don't need to show it because everything else looks so awesome. Don't show me that bad face. Especially when, like, I love when they do a burn scene and it's like a monster man that's on fire because they have to put some kind of semblance of what he looks like on him. But it's never anywhere near as good and it immediately melts away. Yeah, it just looks awful. But he grabs Triple Killer, and apparently this is the easiest prison on earth to break out of, and just tackles him through the wall. There are a few floors up. They fall out both on fire, land in the stolen prisoner transport bus, and for reasons, <laughs> that's all I can say, it explodes. I love the scene of them. This movie has so many just great shots and scenes. Of them just getting tackled through the wall. Because it's an outside shot. And they tackle them through the wall. It's just these two flaming men falling. 
Then we cut to the funeral for him. He's getting a full police funeral, um, like all honors and everything, buried in the police cemetery. Okay, I get and... that he was like he was a great cop, like the best of the best. We've our we've heard this story a lot in the first one, and he was wrongfully put in jail. But he also okay, so that's sad. But he also killed a lot of people then afterwards. And cops. The dude is an undead monster. Give him what he wants. <laughs> Just bury him. He wants to hear. Yeah. To give him the flag. Yeah, give him the nice funeral. You know, if it's that's all it's going to work. Do it. But they dramatically throw his police badge onto the top of the coffin. And they go I walking that was away. Badge. I thought McKinney was quitting. Oh, is that his? Or he's like away from being a good cop to a maniac cop. Oh, okay, maybe. But yeah, they go walking away, and then they don't bury him immediately. They kind of leave it open, and it's just like zooming in on the coffin with the badge there, and you're like, I, "Yeah, he's gonna punch through the coffin and grab the badge." But it's cool, like you know, it's, you see it coming, but it's a cool ending. Still made me jump because it's so loud. Yeah. Yep, hand bursts out, grabs the badge, instant credits to the Maniac Cop rap. <laughs> I love it when they used to do this back in the day. Dude, this song is insane. I don't know how I forgot this was in this. But it's like, that's how he came. That's why they call him the Maniac Cop. It's so weird. <laughs> and that's Maniac Cop 2. So, the thing about Maniac Cop 2 in comparison to the first one, I feel like the first one moves a little better, and part of that might be toward to the cast. I forget her yeah. name, but the girl who plays Teresa is great. Bruce Campbell's obviously great. Tom Atkins is just killing it in that first yeah. movie. And this one, I noticed, like, scenes of driving, not even talking about chases, just regular driving, um, shooting targets, uh, filing papers, pretty much, take a long time. And yeah. I mean, there's a lot of that in this one. I'm not saying it's worse than the first one, because when it goes wild, it goes wild in this one. Like, so it might actually still edge out that first one for me. I always flip flop with which one I like more. Yeah. But there's a lot of stretched out. And I notice it comes in at like an hour 27. So I feel like it was like a pad the runtime scenario for some of it. That's why the opening credits were so long. That's why we got yeah. the uh, what happened last movie kind of last scene thing. Yeah, I legit think there's a lot of we don't have enough footage to pad that runtime. And how awesome the car chase scenes were. They would go on for a long, long time. Yeah. But no, I still really enjoy it. I have a good yeah. a good time anytime I'm watching the Maniac Cop movies. And part three just gets even more batshit crazy. And I cannot wait. Doesn't he want a bride? Yes. And that's where there's a gr the chase scene of chase scenes in this whole series where he's on fire and then the car catches on fire and then it goes on for so long, everything goes out. <laughs> well, they had to up this one somehow. Yeah. Alright. You ready for some Count of the Dead? Yeah, let's get into the Count of the Dead. Ah, ah, ah. Throb with Horror Count of the Deads where we tally up all the deaths in the movie. Where do you think we got with Maniac Cop 2? There's a there's a decent number on this one. It's not it like, it's decent. not it's our biggest. Not as big as I thought, because a lot of action, not as much killing throughout, though. That's why, too, I wanted to make sure about, like, because I didn't think just thrown into a wall was actually killed. 
No. Um, but I'm going to go with 25. You were really close for Fuck. such a decent number. We got 23. Oh, God damn it. You're I close. will argue with less death. <laughs> That's great. Scout of the dead. Ah, ah, ah. Now we're going to do my ratings from Dimension Z. So basically, I'll take something from the movie and I'll rate the movie 1 through 10, 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. Now come up with that thing right now. I don't know why if well, I know why it popped in my head and why I'm doing this one, because it's food. Um, there is the one part where it's at the very beginning when it's the guy holding up the convenience store and the cops get called and there's a cop walking out of like this restaurant with food and they're like, oh, we got a call. So he immediately has to throw it in the garbage. So it's like those cops might. Dude, you could have eaten the food on the way. Yeah, I don't get that. Or why can't you put it on the dash? Yeah. But a number one version of their night is the night that they had where they got, like, it looked like they had, like, pizza and stuff. But that's New York City pizza, which we know from experience is really good. Yeah. Um, So they had to throw the food away. Number ten is there's no calls that night and they get to eat more pizza later. Yes. Okay. Yes, I, mean, I like Maniac Cop 2 a lot. Like, I like the first one. But... This one might edge it out a bit. I don't re remember what I rated the first one. No, um, me neither. That was a long time ago. It's a long time ago. Uh, were we even doing ratings then? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I'm going to give Maniac Cop 2 8 out of 10. It's a lot of fun. I forgot how much fun I had with this movie when I watched it. It's been a long time since I've seen it and like watching it again. Just I love all those old 80s and 90s car chase scenes. Like they're so much fun. I think my thing with action movies is I don't like modern action movies. Like give me a cool like real car chase scene and real stuntmen falling off of buildings and stuff. That's cool. That said, dude. The movie I'm probably looking forward to more than anything this year isn't even a horror movie. It's an action movie. And that's what? Furiosa. I can't wait for that movie. But that's like you said, that's cars and people falling off shit in the desert and stuff like that. Yeah, it's like a throwback to like that good stuff. That one I am looking forward to. Um, I went six and a half ways that I could have gone out of ten. Okay. I like it a lot. Um, I couldn't help but notice it more this time, though, the dragging of the yeah. movie at certain points. That did drop it down a little bit for me. But, like, all the ridiculousness doesn't actually affect my rating. I love the ridiculousness of it. With how they, like, are trying to pad out the runtime, I'm surprised they didn't show the shower scene, like, two or three more times. Dude, I thought they were going to, once I realized that that was occurring, yeah. that they were padding it out. I'm like, oh, no. Is it the first one when they show it, like, five times? Yes. Yeah. And I think they do. They show it again in the third one, just in case you forget what happened yeah. and you forget what Robert Zadar's ass looks like. The gavel comes down, shower turns on, the whistling. <laughs> Unless you have anything else, man. No, that's all I got. All right, well, we hope that Maniac Cop 2 has left your brain throbbing with horror. Oh, hey, didn't see you there. Well, that was a fun episode, wasn't it? Be sure you tune in next week for another fun episode. And be sure to check out all our social medias. Just look for the Throbbing with Horror Pumpkin. I hear the guy that runs them is really great. <laughs>